Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Terry Talks Fiction. Today, we've got an interview episode. I'm here with my good friend and romance novelist, Belinda Misson. Hello, Belinda. How are you? Doing well, Terry. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Now, for everyone who doesn't know Belinda, uh, she is the author of two novels now, and a third is imminently about to be released. Uh, Belinda, about to be like- birthed. <laughs> it's about to come out into the world. Would you like <laughs> yeah. to uh, tell us a bit about your uh, two novels and the one that's on the way, Belinda? Oh, okay. So the first one, Recipe for Disaster, was kind of written as a little bit of a joke and, and one of those things that got a little bit out of hand and I submitted it to a publisher and it was actually accepted. So here I am now with the contract and I've got books to write and it's um, it was very quickly followed up with... Um, an impossible thing called Love, which was a rewrite of a self-published novel called Red from 2015 that released. And that's kind of what we're here to talk about today too, really, isn't it? That sort of that idea of uh, timelines and deadlines and how that impacts the creative yeah, process. Yeah, it's um, a really strange sort of thing. When you when you go from self-publishing, you're on your own deadline so you can wake up and you'll be like, well, I'll do a few thousand words today. I've got a rough idea that I want the book out in the next six months and that's fine and then, you know, you, you, that's great. It's, it's a good life but then you sign a contract and they're like, well, actually we want this book in, you know, six weeks or 12 weeks and edits and because we're running really late, can we have them back tomorrow? So it's it's an entirely different sort of beast to work around. It's, it's one of those things where you don't really think about how much pressure, I guess, that's going to be until you're sort of stuck right in the middle of it. And like you say, when oh, no, I was just like, give me the contract. Like, yeah. yeah. When when I got my phone call from HarperCollins, it was like it was ten thirty at night here because of the time difference with London. And they're like, you know, we want to sign you up and get you a contract. And I'm like, give it to me. I'm going to sign it now. This is amazing. And I rang everyone, and then and now I've got all this work to do. And I'm like, this is insane. But it's good. <laughs> it's good. I think it's good. Yeah. How you it's found uh, the? I guess the timelines. Um, running as each subsequent book is sort of coming on the horizon. Like you, it seems like because um, I've been following you through the book one, book two, now book three. It seems like it's uh, really once you sort of get into the groove of this book's out, and now people come and find my book. It seems like you've, or you're almost like bouncing directly from that from that mindset into the, well, now the next book's due or it's almost like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird and it's something, it's, it's something that I'm still trying to work. It's something like I'm still trying to get into that groove because I feel like this all started for a bit of a, bit of a laugh and, and the next thing I knew, it all happened really quickly. Sort of I, I submitted, they actually, HQ did a Twitter call out and they said, you know, give us your, give us your synopsis in 140 characters. Tell us the book in 140 characters. So for a laugh and me being me because I'm a dickhead, um, I gave them three and I said, well, here's three. And they said, well, that's great. Can we have samples of all three? And I went, no. <laughs> you can have one. You're furiously writing and, the others now. 
Yeah, so I was sort of due to fly out to Sydney the next week and I spent the entire week in a hotel room with my friend and I would write and she would read over my shoulder and she'd be like, nope, delete, no, get rid of it, that's fine, leave it, delete it, delete it, delete it, delete it. And at the end, I had the first three chapters and I thought, I can keep fiddling with this or I can just send it through. So I sent it through to them and I didn't think anything more of it. I knew it was a lot better than some of the stuff that I had previously written and self-published, but I certainly wasn't expecting a call back the next day saying we want the rest of the book so <laughs> it just it kind of snowballed really setting the uh, the precedent i guess for the quick turnaround times right from the get-go hey oh yeah it really was it really really was um but you know i think once i sort of it's a different type of mindset to get into as well from the whole just roll out of bed and do what you want because you're self-published and it'll happen when it happens from because i was i was writing before i signed with harper collins i was writing self-publishing from 2014 to 2017. So I had unlearned a lot of office habits and now it's sort of trying to learn them all back in again and make things work and it, it'll get there but it's it feels a little bit hectic at the moment because as you said, you know, you, you finish one book but you're still in the midst of writing the next one and still trying to promote the others and trying not to look at Amazon rankings because you've obviously not sold any books this month. You know, you've got to tweak the, the marketing and then the writing and then, you know, the interacting on the Facebook and getting the social media right. So it's all it's all sort of a high wire balancing act, I think. I think that was one of the most stark things I know, certainly in conversations with you over, you know, Facebook and, and Twitter and all that. It's really sort of surprised me how much, even though you're, you know, signed with a publisher and you've got a contract with books coming out, how much the onus is still on you to do so much of the promotion. I think that was, yeah, we, that was an interesting do- thing to notice. We do, as authors, probably 99% of the promoting. Um, they may do something other than the occasional tweet, but I don't see it, whether it's ads in the background of Amazon or, or email marketing. I don't see any of that. So it can be frustrating. I probably shouldn't say that out loud, but, it, you know, it would be nice for someone to be like, ah, go and get this book. <laughs> That's right. That's fine. Um, absolutely let rip as much as you like, and I promise I'll cut it out of the podcast before it goes live. <laughs> you know, unquote, promise. Terry Talks Fiction on Twitter, at HarperCollins. Check out this interview. <laughs> There'll <laughs> uh, be someone. there be someone up near the up in um, London Bridge Road going delete, delete, delete. We've we've never signed this contract. Delete, delete, delete. Uh, uh, hey, well then, if I got an opening, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is my friend Terry, and he's very good at what he does. Uh, uh, knocking other people down on podcasts. Perfect. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because obviously, too. Um, I, you know, there's not a huge number of people that listen to this podcast uh, yet or really follow me online or anything, but I'm, I guess oh, at, at that stage we'll you were, <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, but obviously at that stage you were a couple of years ago, uh, just starting out on the sort of a self-publishing uh, journey. Yeah. So it's interesting to see, like, the, I guess the difference in approach as well, because I've set, I've sort of set myself those um, possibly too many uh, deadlines for the year as well with trying to get a, a short story out every month. It's not the same sort of, uh, I guess, volume um, as trying to write a whole novel. But it's interesting. I've already noticed just how that trying to juggle that with all of the other aspects, like trying to, you know, get out there on social media, trying to find someone who can actually read the damn things that I'm uh, producing. Yeah. It, uh, what the kind of a balancing act that is already. 
So yeah, think- yeah, and like, and you've got a lot more going on in your life than I do. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> I can get up in the morning and roll in the pajamas and be like at my desk at five past nine, ready to write. And then you know right. you get sucked into social media, and next minute it's midday, and you're like, well, I've got no words down yet. <laughs> but it's lunchtime. I, I, you know, I've, I've totally never taken the kids for a kinder drop off or anything wearing pajamas underneath the paper on hoodie. I've never done that. <laughs> never. No. <laughs> I have no idea what you mean about staying in pajamas. No. 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 And I'm glad this is not a video call because that is exactly my wardrobe right now. I guess that's part of the process too. When we're you know, talking again, sort of creative deadlines and working with other people is a big part of that you know if you're sort of held up or on time or early with uh, a draft i mean that's going to obviously have a flow-on effect down the line with editors and oh yeah i'm I'm sure my editor at the moment does not like me particularly much um my last draft was about six to eight weeks late (laughs) um it just wasn't working it wasn't coming together and i don't know why like I knew what I wanted to happen, but I just could not get the words to come out as I wanted them to come out. And, you know, the follow-on effect of that is obviously she's got me in her project planner and I think they sub out to contract editors. So it changes her plans, but it changes the other editors. It changes marketing, you know, and it's not good. It's not a nice feeling to send an email going, look, it's not working. Um even though it's the third draft and I should know what I'm doing by now. You know, sometimes suggestions come through about characters or their background or particular scenes or, or themes that you've got through the book and you have to rework them and it just, it, it's like it, it's the butterfly effect. You change the first chapter and it just unravels the whole thing. So, Yeah, right. And I guess when you're working under such tight timeframes, the leisure to explore how those changes are going to ripple out is probably, uh, well, you know, leisure would not be the right word, I guess. It's yeah, it's kind of something that um, you discover when you stumble on it and then you go, oh, now what am I going to do? This, um, this I, page I, is page 63, but I don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I've got in the last sort of 40 pages. I know that there's a few weak spots that really need to be tightened up and explored a little bit more. And I'm just, yeah, I have to do that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to keep it too long. So it's not. No, a, that's fine. Let's get talking. As we were sort of, I guess, bringing this up, uh, social media sort of chats about, yeah. you know, how the how the pressure of uh, of deadlines is impacting on on creativity. I, did, I, thought, I thought it was interesting because obviously there's a balance there to hit between what you were like, what you're saying about the indie uh, self pub uh, roll out of bed and have uh, set your own deadlines lifestyle and the mm-hmm. frenetic pace of uh, of just the traditional publishing cycle and just trying yeah. to keep things rolling on there. Uh, obviously, there's a balance to strike somewhere in the middle, I guess, for sort of that peak creativity plus um, accountability balance. But it's interesting, I guess, when you're contracted to do things a certain way, regardless of what's happening in an individual draft or an individual book, I guess that sort of that creativity becomes something you just have to try to horn in somehow. Well, well it yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't, creativity doesn't work like that. And it's a hard balance too because I found with the last draft I was working a lot but I wasn't reading and I wasn't socialising and you can 
you can tell, you know, when you haven't left the house or you haven't read a book and you haven't, you know, sort of hung around or spoken to other people, you can feel that kind of dry up and it's really sort of difficult to get back to anything creative without, like you need other people. You need to go out and look at a restaurant full of people. Um, we went out for dinner last night, not last night, last week. I was stuck on something and about halfway through dinner I thought, oh, no, that's going to happen. And then I went home and fixed it, whereas I could have been stuck at home pulling my hair out over it for another two or three days. Just staring um, at the screen, you know, trying yeah. to work but not getting anywhere. Yeah, so I've sort of – I'm trying to claw back a little bit of me time so that I can read. And, I, you know, I read anything. I was reading bloody scholastic books the other night, little Marvel scholastic books and children's picture books and, you know, romantic comedies and, God, what have I got on the shelf here? You know, I've got thrillers and stuff that we would define as high literature, very fancy but, you know, some of that stuff makes you, well, all of that stuff makes you a better writer because, you know, osmosis, you will pick stuff up as you go. So mm. without that, I don't think you can work all day and all night. Yeah, I think you really notice the difference in your own writing when you haven't read for a while. Uh, yes. So you say, like, things start to get a little bit samey, things start to get a little bit... Uh, you find it gets a little bit, a bit stilted. Yeah, like unnatural. Uh, yes. You sort of lose that flow that that comes from reabsorbing what a really well-written phrase looks like. Absolutely, yeah. Because we certainly don't get that like, you know, scrolling through Facebook. You don't – I wouldn't oh, exactly God. call that a – We don't a even get spelling in Facebook, do we? Uh, phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I guess who you follow. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like – and. It doesn't have to be the one genre. It can be if that's what you're into. But I, I, I find that reading a broad, broad range of genres helps because you pick up different, like turns of phrases, sentence structures, the way different genres are modelled. Um, thrillers are modelled a bit differently to, to romance, and then you get your, your really slow moving genre fiction. Um, genre fiction literature. But you're right. It's, like, all, it's good to get that sort of Venn diagram overlapping a little bit where you can, like, uh, like there's plenty, like so many thriller novels out there that have romance in them. There's so many, I guess, romances out there that have a little uh, undercurrent of uh, something else going on. You know, it's yeah, yeah. We don't really. Like, it's one. Of, the genre is one of those interesting things. It's great for marketing, but it's not so great for writing sometimes. Yeah, that's true. It's true because you get the sort of the expectation of what should be in the book and what shouldn't be in the book, and and it's it's interesting because one of the I think the second draft of this book, um, you know, the suggestion was one of the characters needs to have a bit of a deeper background, and I thought, all right, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna kill someone off in his history, and so I did. Six feet under background, that that far deeper. Yeah. And they went, well, that's probably a bit too dark for your kind of novel. And I went, okay. Did you walk really back liked... to uh, just crippling them instead? Or Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they, you know, right now they don't have any dead people. So we've we've wound the clock back and, and had to sort of look at something a bit different for them. So... Nice. But, you know, there's that expectation that, you know, romantic comedies are going to be light and fluffy and we're not – not that we're not going to deal with heavy stuff. We kind of have to deal with things a little bit differently, but I think maybe it was a little bit too dark. you just got to structure the, the, the conflict differently. 
Yeah, yeah, it can still be there. It's just got to be, oh, is nuance the right word? Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, I thought it was interesting seeing, I guess, how that's modelled in the writing that you do uh, now compared to the, you know, the writing that you did previously and comparing both of those, I guess, against the writing uh, I'm attempting to do as well with the just our differences in timelines and our differences in what that pressure does to the writing yeah. that we're producing. And, and I think I didn't know a lot either when I was self-publishing. Like, you think you're fantastic? <laughs> well, at least for me. Um, I thought I was doing a great thing. And, yeah, I kind of was because I was getting out there and I was doing it and I was putting stuff out into the world and I wouldn't be here if I wasn't sort of doing that. But I still had a lot to learn about um, sort of the format and the structure. Like I had the basic stuff down, but there's a little bit of tweaking that that has to go onto you know, into it. And, and, of course, my writing has changed greatly since I started self-publishing. So it was, you know, it's a, it's a huge, huge learning curve, that sort of first step out of um, self-publishing into traditional publishing and having someone sort of edit your stuff. Having that external very- accountability again. Yeah, and I was because I was a very bad self-published author. I had done my diploma of editing, and I went, "I can do this. <laughs> you can't do this. Yep. Don't do that. Oh. <laughs> Don't self-edit." It was like a thousand. Uh, it was like a million editors' voices cried out in horror and were suddenly silent. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah. I'm sure. Um, well, they cried. They wept when they read my books. Uh-huh. Um, I, d- I did have a different editor when I started. And she said, how have you gone working with editors in the past? And I'm like, yeah, good. Good. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fine. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was very, I was a very forgiving uh, uh, client and, uh, and boss. Yeah, and boss. Yeah. <laughs> very cheap. Right, yeah. mate's rates. How do you find the difference in the two editors have been, the one you started with and the one you've got now? Are there different expectations? Like um, what you're driving? Do you find that the input is making your writing different? Um, is it making it different? It's making it a lot better. And even just some of the grammatical stuff that I've picked up um, sort of makes the drafts a little bit cleaner. Like I've, I think I've shown you one of my drafts before mm. when we we're in the final, the final stages of sort of, they call it copy, copy editing, line editing, well, the last stage when they're like, this is your last chance, Belinda. This is it. What you send to us, that's it. Done. And it does, it makes you, I think probably book four, I'm hoping is going to be a bit easier to write because I've learnt so much over the first three. I was actually, I was actually thinking too, it's quite funny to hear you say that about the, your last chance et cetera, et cetera, because I found that was something interesting with the my first experience with um, traditional publishing in a sense when I had a short story published by Orealis magazine. I So we'd done the editing round and, and I said, oh, look, I just want to change something you know, on this page. It wasn't highlighted. Um, is that all right if I change that as well? That's fine. Yeah, change it. So I did and I forgot to put a space in and, and then sure enough, here's um, in the final oh. printed version, I've got this uh, this very long and very strange word, which is I think three oh. words crammed together because oh, I'd, no. I'd gone to put the extra word in between them and not put spaces on either what side. What a heartbreak. Yeah, all right. We'll That's just, the worst. We'll run it. Yeah. Yep, you made the change. Great. And I'm like, oh, no. And, and you know what? The worst part is people will come up to you and they'll be like, oh, my God, I loved your story. There's a few typos though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, this, 
this one was on the second page too. So it's also if you get the free sample yes. of, of the of the magazine, it's it's there and like it's oh, right no. there. <laughs> so everyone who didn't actually read the story has still read the typo. I'm like shit. Oh no! I th- I know in the second book there was something about someone was telling someone their life story, and I actually wrote lift, and it managed to make it through every draft and every read through, and it's gone into print. Someone's uh-huh. like. There's a typo on page 23 and I'm like, because it's the worst because I think as writers we're kind of perfectionists. Yeah, and that and really doesn't I kind of well I wrinkle my nose book. when I read other books and there's a typo in it because, you know, that's probably a bit snobby but then I'm like, oh, my God, they're in my books. There's a typo in mine. <laughs> and it's quite cruel, isn't it, because that perfectionistic streak is, I guess, what holds us up sometimes when we have that deadline looming and we're sitting here like, no, it has to be right it has to be right yeah. before I can send it through. And I've, I've sort of done a lot of reading on that lately. I read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert and she's got this big chapter in there about how it doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to get it done. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not right. What if it's not right? <laughs> you have to get it done. You have to get it done well. Yeah. Yes. I did. Yeah, so I just funny. about I got the I got the prints the print copies of the second book, an impossible thing called Love came through, and I went through it. I'm flicking through it. I haven't read it yet because I it takes me a few sort of long months to get to read my own stuff mm-hmm. before I'm like, yeah, I could probably do this now. But I'm flipping through and I'm flipping through, and chapter four ends and chapter five starts directly underneath it. I'm like, it's supposed to be on a new page. What is this? What big error. Oh, dear. At least of all the things that you can point to that one and say, well, that's not my fault. Not totally my fault. How um, I'm interested too in just knowing how you feel like, do you feel like that sort of that, that publishing pressure that you're under at the moment is, is that pressure creating diamonds at the moment, do you think, with the way that you're finishing up with? Or is it one of those cases where, no, you know, actually just easing back on the throttle a little bit would be good? Yeah, I kind of had this discussion with my editor recently and I said that, you know, I can write a book in six weeks, but it might not be a great book. Mm. So I, I need to pull back and I need to spend more time, you know, and I'm writing contemporary romance. So it's not like I need to go down to the library into the history section and look up, you know, a, a homestead from, you know, 1920 or 1850 or something. But you do still need that time to craft things together. You know, and I can I can slap something out, but but then it's you know like you said before, if you don't read enough because you haven't got enough time, it all becomes really same same, and the language is very basic. Yeah, more time creates a better book, and I'd I'd really like the opportunity to to get into some more literary fiction. So something along the lines of Patrick Melrose would be fantastic if I could write something like that. You think that's something you would do under your current purview, or is that are we talking looking at sort of pen name territory here? Uh, it might be pen name territory because uh, when I first signed with HQ, they said, you know, do you always want to write romance? I said, well, no, I want to write thrillers and I want to sort of engage in other genres because I sort of, you know. I could, I suppose, I could slap out twenty romances, but variety is the spice of life, isn't it? Yeah, I can. You don't want to, I guess, to get to the point where you're 
going back to the same creative well enough that you're starting to lose the love for it. Yeah, and that's that's true as well. And I sort of said at the time I haven't read enough thrillers to be able to write my own, but eventually I would absolutely love to go there. And they said, oh, well, that's fine. We can, make, we can give you a pen name. That's fine. Oh, that's very cool. Well, thank you for, um, I guess, giving some information and perspective on all that. It's been interesting to uh, to get it down on record and, and be able to have that little chat about how the process is working for you and, and how, I guess, it's impacting the create your creativity and uh, where it's shining it up and, and where it's maybe causing some snags. It was uh, an interesting overview to get. I might let you go there, uh, Belinda. Did you want to maybe just give us a, a quick shout out of where we can find your books? I would say all good bookstores, but they're not. Um, Amazon, Book Depository, or you can go in, You and you should go in to your local bookstore and ask them to order them in because they can do that. Ah, oh, wonderful. And those titles are A Recipe for Disaster and An Impossible Thing Called Love? Correct. And the new one is? Lessons in Love. Can you sense wonderful. a theme? I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> Recipes, you all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can do with a bit of that now, actually. So I'll say thank you very much and uh, we'll catch you again soon. Thank you. Let's do it again. <laughs>